Hello everybody and welcome to February of 1992. In the news this month, Dennis Potvin's number 5 becomes the first number retired for the New York Islanders. Jeffrey Dahmer is found sane and guilty of killing 15 boys. And Ross Perot first announces his run for presidency. The number one song of February 1992 is I'm Too Sexy by Mr. Big. And the top three movies of the month are Medicine Man, Wayne's World, and Final Analysis. This is February of 1992. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. This is February of 1992. I'm your host, Eric. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm your host, Kevin. And this is February of 1992, and it's not that good a year. It's a month. It's a month. It's not a good year. We're only in February, bro. You give it up? I looked ahead. I don't like it. I don't, you know, I don't like I don't like the forecast. I think the forecast, as you call it, has, you know, it has one movie here, one movie there. There's no blow up months like last year where, you know, you had Point Break as the number four movie. Are you guys ready to hate me this episode? Oh, hell yes. I am going to be the contrarian of all contrarians and not purposefully. It's because of my true opinions and my true opinions might be shit. I expect I nothing less from you, Kevin. We'll see what happens. I, I have a way of swaying. All right, let's think. get right into this nightmare of a month. Who's kicking it off? You are. Oh, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Coming in at number nine, the gate. No, no, not the gate. I apologize. Just gate two. They didn't feel <laughs> the need for the the. It grossed $2 million. It's a horror comedy. Four teens summon forth a diminutive demonic minion from the other side to do their bidding and grant their wishes. But of course, they must all ultimately pay the price. This is a follow-up to the 1987 original. There you have all of the interesting information about Gate 2. That's all you I got. actually remember loving the original Gate, by the way. Watched it all the time. Why do you watch all these B-rate crap movies when you were a kid? Like, who was doing this to you? It was, it was Kurt, wasn't it? It could have been my older brother. He loved shit like this, but uh, I actually remember liking it, but big deal. It sounds honestly like a, a horror comedy. It kind of sounds like I'd kind of be into it. Remember the original? They summoned this gate to hell and it opened up in like the living room of their house. And then all these creatures came out and that's the extent of what I can remember. But I remember was watching it, it often. Wait, wasn't that... Um... Oh, what movie was that? That has that exact same premise that you just described. Oh my god, it's like a famous movie. It's with the called the Gate. The Gate. No, maybe I have seen Gate and I might have liked it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was actually, I think, pretty big. The original. All right. That, Who's got next? Well, that came to like a halt. <laughs> yeah, that was it. It was all I'm we had done. to say about that. We, we we spent way more time on Gate Two than I intended. All right, coming in at number eight, Radio Flyer. A drama earning $4.6 million. A father reminisces about his childhood when he and his younger brother moved to a new town with their mother, her new husband, and their dog. When the younger brother is subjected to physical abuse at the hands of the brutal stepfather, Mike, de Mike decides to convert their toy trolley, the radio flyer, into a plane and fly him to safety. So... This movie I have seen. I don't remember it. My brother-in-law and his son 
love this movie, but based on this description, I don't see this as being something I'd want to watch with my five-year-old son. Isn't this, uh, what's his name? So I'm going to get Baggins. It sure is. So first of all, directed by Richard Donner, who directed, yeah, Superman, Lady Hawk, Lethal Weapon, Maverick, Scrooge, The Goonies, and the original Omen. All right, and this is starring Lorraine Bracco, who is in two movies this month, John Hurd, Adam Baldwin, and Elijah Wood. So this movie was originally marketed as a family movie when it, when in reality it has a very serious tone uh, as a focus around child abuse, obviously. So Donner really thinks that this is the reason the movie was a box, a box office flop. Uh, he was actually quite upset with the fact that they made it into like a family movie because he's, he's like, well, it's centered around family. It's really about this child's, you know, life through abuse and trying to escape his reality. So, hmm. um, so, they, just, so, so somebody got their hands on it and lightened it up. Yeah. So he said he had to cut out a couple of major scenes in the movie that like he thought would have really improved the quality of the story, but then they tried to make it more like a lighthearted family and the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> okay. All right. And that's all I got on the radio flyer. All right. Coming in at number seven, The Mambo King, grossing $6.6 million. Musician brothers Caesar and Nestor leave Cuba in the 1950s with a suitcase full of songs, hearts filled with passion. Two brothers come to America in search of a dream. So this is a uh, Cuban music. The whole movie is about music. Um, it actually won some awards, all based in best music, best songs, stuff like that. Um, the only actor of note, really, you have Antonio Banderas. And the one reason I don't think I'd ever want to watch this movie, Antonio couldn't even speak English yet, and he had to do the entire script speaking phonetically. So I can only imagine what that must have sounded like. Wait, so you're saying he speaks English in the movie but doesn't know what he's saying? That's what it says. He said he pretty much was learning English while doing the movie and had to read the script with phonetics. That's wild. <laughs> Okay. I, don't know, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Coming in at number six, Mississippi Masala, grossing $7.3 million of romance drama. An Indian family is expelled from Uganda when Idi Amin takes power. They move to Mississippi and time passes. The Indian daughter falls in love with a black man and their respective families have to come to terms with it. This movie stars Denzel Washington. Also has Charles S. Dutton, who is in Alien 3, Rudy, and Surviving the Game. And that's it. That's all I have. It didn't sound that interested anyway, you know. I wasn't interested at all, so. It sounded like you fell asleep during the description. So did I. I I, I, I was trying to think of things to say, and honestly, like, I mean, I got nothing. You know what it is? To summarize, it's a movie with Denzel. That's it. All right. All right, good enough. This month is really fucking riveting. Oh boy, is it? Oh, hey, I got a decent got one coming up. Yet, baby. All right, go ahead. Coming in at number five, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. This is a rom-com earning $14.3 million. After a freak accident, a company executive turns completely invisible, goes on the run, and becomes hunted by the treacherous CIA official whilst trying to cope with his new reality. So this is starring Chevy Chase. I remember seeing this movie as a child. I remember laughing a lot when I saw this movie. 
All I can remember though is him like wrapped in bandages and like running across the street and the bandages coming off and then like him getting hit by a car or something. So I think it's like one of those, you know, I mean it's Chevy Chase, so it's very probably very slapsticky. A lot of silly movie. Maybe not slapsticky, but physical comedy is involved. Isn't that what slapstick comedy is? Is physical comedy? It could be both. I, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Anyway, so starring Chevy Chase, Daryl Hannah, Sam Neill. Oh. And- yeah, and Michael McCann, uh, he's from This Is Spinal Tap and Clue, and also Stephen Tobolowski. I will always shoot shout out Ned from Groundhog's Day. So, um, oh, you don't know who's Ned? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, and amazingly enough, this movie was directed by John Carpenter. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so I found that kind of wild. In case you don't know who John Carpenter is, Neil Living Under a Rock, he directed the every Halloween movie that ever existed and Escape from New York. And the uh, and the thing, yes. The thing is a great movie if you guys I love haven't the thing. seen it. I watched it with you. Oh, sorry. I don't think I've seen it since <laughs> it came out, so I can't my, recall. My memory, so, so, my wait, memory so, is faulty. Eric saw this saw the thing when it came out when he was negative one years old. <laughs> Ninety two. I was eleven, bro. No, the thing came oh, out in nineteen eighty. Eighty? Well, yeah. I remember watching it in my mother's womb. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> So Ivan Reitman was originally set to direct this movie, but he had huge issues with guess who? Chevy Chase. Of course, everybody hates working <laughs> with Chevy. So yeah, so he was replaced with John Carpenter, and John Carpenter wanted to make it a lot more like a like a horror comedy, and kind of didn't go that way as much, and so he just went straight comedy. Because Chevy just cried about it the whole time. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Either way, I remember liking this movie, so. There's that. Okay. Eric? All right. Coming in at number four. Stop or my mom will shoot. Grossing $28 million in action comedy. A tough police sergeant's overbearing mother comes to visit him and begins to meddle in his life and his career, eventually helping him with the case he's on. I have to tell you a tagline on this one. This was great. Detective Joe Bomomowski's mom is in town for a visit. She did the laundry, washed the windows, scrubbed the floors. Now she's going to clean up the streets. <laughs> I, just, I thought that was hilarious. I could just pick, hear it in my head, the guy saying it. I, uh, um, I saw ahead. the. I watched the trailer to this because I had intended on watching a fourth movie this month because I haven't seen Stop or My Mom Will Shoot since the 90s. And I was like really weighing it back and forth. And I was like, you know what? There's a really high chance that I hate this movie and I'm not going to do it to myself. So I'm just not going to watch it. Was Danny yeah, DeVito in this high movie? high chance you didn't like it. No, that's Throw Mama from the Train. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. I love Throw Mama from the Train. Very similar, very similar <laughs> titles that seem to, they seem to meld together. Yeah. True. All right. That's what I was thinking the entire time I was thinking about watching this movie. So I'm glad I didn't watch it. That's Billy Crystal and Joe <laughs> and, and, um, What's his Danny name? Danny DeVito? DeVito. Sorry. So that's not Stallone? No. <laughs> All right. We did All this. Right. We did this I got, thing. I got some things. I haven't even talked about the movie. Oh, why well, did we have to? Stallone's yes. in it with uh, the girl from Golden Girls. Well, that's the thing. You have uh, Estelle Getty, who's Tootie and the Golden Girls. Um, and, and Stallone considered this his worst film ever. Uh, it got a worst that's picture. Saying a lot. Yeah. He's that made is some saying stinkers. a lot. 
And then how about this? The loan says that Arnold Schwarzenegger tricked him into taking this role because Arnold started a rumor in Hollywood that he wanted the role. So Stallone went for it. And Arnold told him he never wanted it. He was just messing with him. Did I tell you guys about the time I worked with Artie's ex, ex-niece? Yeah, it's the same girl that was JFK's something or another. Great, great niece. Yeah, yeah. all right. You She's can't, a shriver. You can't, you can't use all of her connections to Hollywood. You can only use one. I'll use them all. Uh, Chris, the Pratt, right. Chris Pratt is her cousin. You Married gotta stop. Cousin. No, you only get one. You only get one <laughs> connection. She's JFK's niece or something or another, and that's it. She can't be everybody else's something. All right. All right. Is that how, that's how that works? <laughs> I made up the law. That's it. Okay. All right. Can we move on? Let's move We're on. to our top three, boys. And I got a lot to say here about everything. All right. Coming in at number three, grossing $28.5 million. Final analysis. I had the dream again. I've been treating this attractive, seductive young woman. One sister was a perfect puzzle. Everything goes up in flames. Waiting to be solved. I just can't seem to get off your couch, can I, Dr. Barr? She's got an older sister who just happens to be married. Junior, I don't want to. Do it. The other sister was a perfect lover. Do you think you can help us? Waiting to be seduced. You didn't sleep with her. There were a thousand reasons he shouldn't get involved. Doesn't feel right. Do you always try to talk yourself out of what you want? But he did. I'd stop seeing the girl like, I don't know if I can. Isaac, I'm married. Yeah. You try divorcing a Greek Orthodox gangster. I don't like people looking at my wife. (laughs) Are you gonna help me or not? I wish there was something we could do to help Heather. Anyone see you? I don't think so. Detective, you think it was me? Not you and me. What would you think? Why did you do it? This is crazy. What did you tell him? I didn't tell him anything. Richard Gere, Kim Basinger, Uma Thurman. Final analysis. Okay. All right. So this was this was a thing. This, this was, a, was movie. a thing. This was a movie. Can I tell you something? This is two movies. This is two movies. Okay? Oh, absolutely. But yeah. the fact that it's two movies is the only thing that got me through it. The first hour and a half could have been just removed. <laughs> my my notes midway through when I highlighted this one because this I wrote down this movie had no point till 54 minutes in. And then when she murdered, we'll come back to it. When she murdered her boyfriend, this was a whole different movie. And then I was on board. So yes, hold on, hold on. So I said at one point, I was like, this movie is so weird. I don't even know what I'm watching or what I'm supposed to be feeling. Okay, and then hold on, and then when that happened, I was like, "Okay, so now I'm not hating this movie because so much is happening." (laughs) (laughs) My notes were very similar. I said, "21 minutes in so far, the dialogue is so boring and slow. Everything was whispered for the first like hour of this movie." I was like, "I dread this movie." Then finally, it was about an hour and a half in, we see the twist, and that's when like the movie 
really kicked off. They could have knocked the first hour into about 20 minutes, and then well, it would have been at least maybe tolerable. I have multiple notes. I'll run down them quick. Could have chopped a solid seven minutes off of this movie just from the opening credits. 20 minutes in, nothing's happened. This is why this movie couldn't have been an hour 30. Another movie where everyone whispers, and then I get to the movie had no point till 54 minutes in when she kills the boy or the husband. All right, yes. so all right, let, let, let's do the um, why well, we're here first. I had some very similar notes, just so you know. Like, I think yeah. we're on the same page 100%. All right, so actors, uh, Richard Gere plays Isaac Barr. Uh, Kim Basinger plays Heather Evans. I haven't seen a Kim Basinger movie yeah, decades, I guess. I don't know if I've ever seen a Kim Basinger movie besides Batman, and that's not a Kim, Kim Basinger movie. Well, she was in, obviously, Batman. Never Say Never Again with Sean Connery, uh, who comes up this month. She was in The Natural, My Stepmother's an Alien, uh, L.A. Confidential. L.A. Confidential, if you guys haven't seen it, that's a phenomenal movie. And Eight Mile. We also have Uma Thurman, who plays Kim Basinger's sister, uh, Diana Baylor, even though they have different la- names. Well, because they're half they're half sisters, they make that abundantly clear throughout the movie. Different fathers. Uh, I didn't I didn't catch that. But anyway, Kill Bill one and two, and Pulp Fiction, and whatever else she did is irrelevant. And then we have my favorite, the great Keith David, plays Detective Huggins. Three hundred and forty seven acting credits this man has. I would imagine a lot of them are voiceovers and stuff like that. Uh, he was in They Live, The Thing, Armageddon, Requ- Requiem for a Dream, and obviously a lot of, of a, a lot of other movies with 347 credits. And once again, we have directors just completely ignoring the brilliance that they have within their movie. Like the best part of this movie was Keith David. A and, thousand percent. And he's just so not in the movie. And I don't understand. Like, how do you as a director not see this man step on screen? Do what it is he's doing and not say, you know what? I need a little bit more of him to really, really make this an interesting movie. Because I, re- watching Richard Gere for two hours was brutal, was, was rough. Well, dude, if you want to make notes about the director, though, watch the movie. He had no clue or she had no clue what they were doing the whole movie. It was any other director could have made this movie better with different with different actors, too. OK, no, I, I agree and disagree at the same time. Like I said, up until the point where. All right, so let's get to the plot because I wrote under the plot 25 minutes in and I have no idea what the plot of this movie is. <laughs> you couldn't. You couldn't know. So back to my note where 54 minutes in or whatever and the movie turned into something. The first 54 minutes are unwatchable. The second half of this movie, because it's two hours and change, it, I was riveted. And it was, it's a Richard Gere movie. And I was like, you know what? I'm enjoying a Richard Gere movie right now. <laughs> you, you know what's you enjoying really... the movie, not the acting. Yeah, because Richard Gere was not good in this movie. No, the only person who was acting was, was Keith David. Everyone yes. else was was on screen. All right. I'm glad we yeah. agree with that. Absolutely. Um, what I was going to say is, though, like what's really weird, though, is so this movie, I had no idea what was going on, but it just felt like everything was happening so fast, but yet it took an hour to get to what the movie was about it was so weird because it was like it was so quick like oh he's he's talking to this girl oh he has to meet the sister oh he's banging the sister oh she's like she's kind of crazy when she drinks alcohol oh she kills her husband oh they're in court and then it was like oh the twist 
And then, and then the movie kind of turned into a movie, but it just felt like everything happened too fast. Like they fell so deeply in love in one night. Well, and she did. Like she was that. playing them. Well, obviously. There was no rhyme or reason to what was happening. So let's kind of unpack the, the plot because it's complicated, I guess. Richard Gere is a uh, psychotherapist. Uma Thurman is his, I guess, really problematic, I guess, for lack of a better term, patient. And right. U- Uma Thurman tells Richard Gere that, uh, to go to Kim Basinger playing Uma Thurman's sister, saying that she has more information about my upbringing and that might shine some light on why I am the way that I am. Which this is so has, weird. Th- th- yeah, but this has little to nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Well, no, it's the well, setup. It it's how he meets they, her and she plays him. It's all part right. of the setup. Okay, yeah, but I'm saying like that is all, all right. If you can frame it like that, because she's not sense. actually supposed to be crazy. She's just playing crazy, even though she yeah, actually right. is crazy. But everyone's playing a part. But you don't know that until deep into the movie right, that well, there's a twist. Right. It wouldn't be a twist if it didn't have that. But I, yeah, I understand you what you're trying to beginning. say. It's just. It's just like it's like you don't care about any of it because you don't know that it's important until it becomes important. Yeah. So I I hadn't. This was one of the movies where I could say I had no idea that a a twist was coming. I just thought that this was a piece of shit movie. But, you know, as slow as it was, I, I don't think that you could fault the movie for being that slow, because without it being that slow and pointless in the beginning, you would have never appreciated the twist when it came. As As much as you did, you kind of got sideswiped, right? Like you, you weren't, you weren't, you really, truly weren't ready for the twist to happen. I agree that point. You know what's crazy? Go ahead. You you can't say I'm going to make an hour piece of shit, (laughs) so you're going to enjoy the other half. That's not how you make a movie. I mean. you, you got to have a little more substance in the beginning and shorten it up a bit. You can't just you you could you could have lost a half an hour easily, right? Easily. Because but but like the thing is like like I said though like a lot of what was happening in the movie like a lot of it wasn't important because like I said it just kept changing over what was happening. This is happening now. This is happening now. This is happening, and it felt like every piece was so unimportant. Where we could have delved in a little bit further into the psychotic husband. Because he really was psychotic. And I think there was so much more there. By the way, did you know that's Eric Roberts, who happens to be Julia Roberts' brother? No. That kind of blew my mind. But anyway, so, like, I I think there was more there in the movie, right? Like, you could have had more interaction between Gear and the husband. Because that was, before the twist, that was the one moment where I felt like some sort of, like, anxiety or whatever. But yet you only get that one little piece of it. And that should have been more of it because it, it only would have further had Richard Gere want to help her and brought you more understanding as to why he's putting himself into the positions that he puts himself in later because he puts himself in a position to completely ruin his own career. Yeah, well, all right. So the reason why that happens is because he ends up banging Kim Basinger, who's his patient's sister, and that's like, obviously, you can't be doing that. Right. The whole point of the movie turns out to be that Kim Basinger and Uma Thurman are playing Richard Gere the entire time so Kim Basinger can murder her um, abusive, physically and mentally abusive husband and get away with it with this thing that they call what? What's, what's the term? Pathological intoxication, which means that if you in, ingest alcohol, you basically in, become in a different any person. Quantity. In, in any, any quantity. Point. So I actually looked this up because I was like curious. I got to see if this is a real thing. It is a real thing. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, but it's like extremely, extremely rare and very, very hard to prove. Um, well, I guess that was the point, though, is that and she doesn't really have it in the movie. She right. sets it up to for everyone to think she has it, so that when she kills her husband, she can use it as her insanity play. Yeah. So she had a cold, and she went and drank uh, some cold medicine that had some alcohol in it, and she was chugging and, that. Yeah, chugging it. And she ends up murdering her husband, which was on purpose. But we are led to believe that it it was it was an accident. She didn't know what she was doing because she has this disease where if she, like you know, sniffs alcohol, so to speak, she loses her out. mind. Yeah, blacks out, doesn't remember shit. And then Richard Gere likes to get people off on you know those sorts of things because he's a psychotherapist and that's that's what he does. So. Uh, she set him up the whole time, and then that's when the plot comes when she murders him, and then you. I wrote down that uh, the the reveal at the mental hospital when she's talking shit to him and telling him like, "Yo, oh, it, what happens when he realizes he's talking to his best friend, who is who's the lawyer, yeah. and they're talking about who's going to be the recipient on the insurance for her husband, two million dollars or whatever it is," and he goes, "Yeah, it was going to the guy's brother." He goes, "Nah." The brother's dead. He died a while ago. And that's the exact time she showed up in his office. And now he realizes she's the one that's going to receive the $2 million, And it all starts rolling. And then he talks but, to the, the guy at the court. He goes, yeah, I saw her in all your courtrooms for the last yeah, like year or two. Right, she right. was oh. in the back row watching you and how you do everything. So she was like studying him for like a year Taking or notes. two. But you forget the part that really made him realize it was when he he goes to that conference and the woman is referring to the, the uh, Sigmund Freud book and the yeah, specific verbatim. chapter. And she's reading verbatim from the chapter, what the woman's been telling her um, saying her dream was. And yeah. I remember saying this, I was just like, cause this is before I realized there was a twist coming. And yeah. I was like, this is so stupid. Why, why would he happen to go to a conference? I'm like right. this better have something to do with something. And I was like, Oh, okay, good. It is a payoff. There is a twist. This isn't just such coincidence. And like, I was like, finally, something's happening in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I think that scene with the lawyer was where it all really started to spin, where you see, oh, wait, there's something going on that we had no idea was going on the whole time in the movie. And then you get it. Then you get vested. Yeah, the movie had purpose at that point. And then you get the double cross because Kim Basinger had Uma Thurman set up for saying that she murdered her father when it was really Kim Basinger. So Uma Thurman was under Kim Basinger's thumb as well. So then Uma Thurman teams up with Richard Gere for the double cross. I call that, I call that the old switcheroo. (laughs) (laughs) So then we had the old switcheroo where, uh, where Richard Gere and Uma Thurman team up to keep Kim Basinger in the mental hospital. (laughs) Then she, she convinced her that the, those psychologists were the DEA, so she's like trying to frame them, and she just sounds crazy as, as yeah, all that, hell. That like, how good well. was the part where you know when she dropped her bag and he picked up the dumbbell and gave it back to you? Like, what is this woman carrying a dumbbell around? And then she kept it and used it to murder her husband, and that was her insurance policy the whole time. She goes, "I got the dumbbell with your prints on," it. and it was like all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, there's been some serious scheming going on this whole yeah. time. <laughs> I so I was losing my mind when the twists were coming. The reveal at the mental hospital when she was setting him up at the whole time. She told him she was setting him up the whole time. How Keith David was breaking down to gear. How he knows that he did it the whole time. Like he was like, "You were here with her, and I know it. I just can't prove it." Sort of thing. And yeah. then 
the the double cross with the sister and then the triple cross with the sister gets the other sister out of the 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 insane asylum right which that was okay, actually one, that was the part of the movie that i really hated yeah it was this, too much yeah that then the sister's never getting out like that like just walking out she just murdered someone they're gonna have more security on her than that like th- there's no way she get out that easy all right, the sister's well, hair I mean, extensions fooled everybody. Yeah, whatever with that. And, I, was, I, and then, and then they had to throw in the security guard stopping and going, "Miss, you yeah. forgot your purse." Yeah, obviously, like, they could have left that out, and maybe I wouldn't have been as mad. But that really put me over the edge. All right, let's hit some categories. Oh, let's get to like the very end first. Um, so she gets out, and then the kid that Gear got off a of murder because of whatever insanity, something or another. Ends up helping Gear out by stealing the purse that had the dumbbell in it that she was trying to set him up with. Then she gets it back. Then Gear chases her down and grabs it before he she gives it to Keith David so it has his prints on it. Then I did like that. Yeah, I like all of this except for the end at the lighthouse was like a little much. It was a little Hitchcock-esque and a little cheesy, but... um. She she dies by falling off the lighthouse that they were at before. Well, she didn't fall. Gear fell and held on to the railing and pulled her down by her ankle, and and it fell just in time before he shot her before she tried to shoot him. And it was foreshadowed that earlier in the movie when they went up there to like romance and the the. And I was so mad because I knew it was going to happen, and I was just I was about that last scene. Gear fell off, pulls her down. He's still hanging in. The cop guys there. Where are you? Like, where the freak do you think he is? <laughs> he fell right in front of you. He <laughs> screaming. He's looking like up in the sky. No, like, not what? not the cop guy. Whatever. Keith the guy David. was sucking Keith on a piece of stick him by the his whole name. movie. Keith put David. some put some respect also, on it. Also, do you know what that is? That's a Jamaican thing called a chew stick, and they come in flavors, and they're freaking delicious. Oh, I used to actually get Australian anyway. chew sticks. They were really good. They were super minty, so minty. I thought you, you just said it was a stupid stick. Well, it doesn't look yeah, like that. The, the Australian chew sticks look oh. like uh, toothpicks. Well, these ones, look, the ones that I had when I was younger were looked like exactly what Keith David had, and they came in delicious flavors like strawberry and stuff. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. What about the very, very last scene with Uma Thurman where uh, she she's doing like the, the same that, con? Yeah. Yeah. Zoom in and on her face I with the, with like, the right. evil grin. No needed. You they did should, too much. They should too have less. had her like drop off like like a hundred k to Richard Gear because had her walk at the four million dollars and then like give him some money and just walk away. That's right. how the movie like there was a third or fourth secret yeah, that, thing that going on in the background. The last, yeah, exactly. The last scene was like, all right, now you fucking ruined it. No. Yeah. All right, so directors in other movies, Phil Janow. He didn't direct nothing. It. He directed a whole lot of music videos though, a lot of YouTube yeah. videos. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the plot we did, direct uh, actors and other roles we did. The best scene, best scene was uh the testimony from the doctor at the trial. Like what the I like that. The Scottish doctor, the one that was afraid so, to be there. Yeah, him. Yeah, him. And then the way that they they countered the testimony from the other expert, the woman yeah, doctor. That was good. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I just like the acting and I like the point of everything that they were doing there. And then I love the reveal at the mental hospital when she set him up the whole time. And I also love Keith David breaking it down to gear. Why, why do you get to give three? Like, and then you take all the, all the, 
all the hype away from me and Eric being able to That's say, my oh, best scene he didn't take. Did I? Oh, I, I, I just had, that was <laughs> it. it. I mean, I'm saying that. I told I you, I told you every the only three movie. good that scenes in the movie. That was it. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Chris, did, did he take, did you have one that he didn't take? <laughs> well, I didn't, he, he partially took mine. Mine was the whole reveal. So like, so from this, the conference that he was at when they're talking about the chapter in the Freud book, to him figuring everything out with uh, his lawyer friend and just figure him figuring everything out. That was my favorite part of the movie because it was like, oh, I've invested this hour and it may have been worth it. Yes. Well said. Uh, my best scene was the interrogation trick he did where he had her think he was she was talking to the D.A. And she's all pretending to cry. Oh, it was him. He made me do it the whole time. At the very end, it goes, they're like, what was she talking about? And it was all just their psychological doctors that were supposed to be evaluating her, whether she stays in the hospital or not. Yeah. I like that because you didn't know what was going on. And it all twisted at the end. It was like that whole scene was like a 10 minute twist. I like that scene. That was good. Worst scenes? The entire first hour of the movie. Seen- the whole Way they fell in love. I hated it every second of it. I didn't really like when we met Jimmy, uh, Kim Basinger's husband. See, I did like that because I didn't like it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I was so uncomfortable. It was over the top. Oh, right, right, like... right. Yeah, maybe, but I liked it because I was so uncomfortable. Well, it, anyway. it, it did the... make you not hate the fact that she killed him. You're like, oh, he deserved it. The the well, I thought everything he did subsequently was like what deserved his murder. But uh, I also hated the lighthouse scene, the original lighthouse scene yeah. where they're like, "Oh yeah, why are you there?" And uh, you sleep there in a fucking lighthouse. And uh, lastly, I hate the fact that the the two of you. All right, so she she's setting him up, right? Basinger is setting up Richard Gear. Richard Gear doesn't have the wherewithal to realize that banging the sister of the girl that you're treating, who is thoroughly traumatized by her parent um, molestation is like the worst possible idea that you could have. Well, he knew it was a bad idea. Remember, he goes to talk to his buddy and he's like, I looked through everything in the book. There's nothing in paper that says it's a good, bad idea, even though I know it's a bad idea. Like he was trying to convince himself it was okay. Well, Gear's a piece of yeah, shit. Yeah. So. And how about the fact he that they, the whole movie, they and- say that he... He never really liked anybody, never dates anybody. He's kind of like just this mellow loner guy, yet he goes to this lighthouse with girls all the time. Where did that come from? I'm sure he likes to get it in. All right, all right. <laughs> Best roles? Keith, Keith David. Eric? Um, mine was actually Mike O'Brien, his lawyer friend. I, I thought when he, he was trying and he did the twist, and you know he was such a, like, not a main character, but he was one of the only characters in the movie that, didn't suck and i really kind of liked him when he was on screen yeah but keith david didn't just not I, suck keith keith david belongs i don't care this 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 was actually a test and the answer was keith david yeah in your opinion <laughs> worst role everyone else uh richard gears always the worst but is it, he, he actually wasn't bad i, I mean it was him. fine I like i didn't hate him either he was fine i was I, if i had to say worst role it's hard to say because everyone did what they were supposed to do. I, guess. I thought Uma Thurman was underutilized. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that opening scene actually was a really good scene with her. Like the first her time, whisper you see her whisper bothered crazy. me. The fo- well, that the was my problem at the beginning me. of the movie. Yeah. Her demeanor bothered me. Well, I actually watched this movie second, 
after watching Medicine Man, and that movie was all screaming, which I'll get to later. But <laughs> when I got to this movie, it was all whispering. I was like, oh, God, now we're just going in the opposite direction. And it really bothered me, the whispering. This movie really lacks quotable <laughs> lines. I have one, and out of context I, is going to be horrible. I have one, and out of context is going to be horrible, and I really hope it's the same hey, one. Ahead, I have, what, do you, what do you got? Did Richard is Gere it Keith say Richard, it? Keith, no, no. no Keith, Keith David said it. Richard Gere said mine. He says to Kim Basinger, I would have done anything for you except what I did for you. <laughs> Fucking terrible quotable line. Oh, I got it. Okay. So my favorite line, Keith David is like, you know, really giving it to Richard Gere, and he's just like, you know, I know it was you, blah blah blah. And he just goes, "Don't yank my dick." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he got me. Yeah, the way he said it. it that's why it was it, in the yeah. delivery. Yeah. Uh, my best quote was at the very end, almost it was like one of the last scenes after you know Gear getting played all over the place. His friend, the lawyer, goes, "You ever think that you picked the wrong sister?" Yeah, that was terrible. I liked it. I was, I got a <laughs> chuckle. Did you uh, give your worst role, Eric? Yeah, my worst role really was um, Gear and Basinger in the beginning, the first like 40 minutes of the movie together because all they did was whisper and it, I just thought it was terrible acting. Yeah. You know, I'm in for you that. You know, I, I, I thought that I was, I was thoroughly prepared to hate this movie and I, was, and I watched the runtime. I saw the runtime and I was like two hours and change and Richard Gere, I was like, Fuck my life. I don't want any part of this. I was like, so I'm choking this movie down first so I could get through it. And the first 54 minutes, like I said, I was right. This was a horrific sit. And the, <laughs> the last hour and change, I was like, I'm riveted. This is a great movie. Yeah. I would say great, but it was like a, a very entertaining movie. It was enjoyable. It was worth watching, yeah. honestly. And I and like you, I really didn't think I was going to enjoy it at all. So Power I think the we movie, were all on the guess, same page cause... with this movie. We all had the exact same opinion. We hated the, you know, exactly. We hated the beginning, and it actually riveted us at the end. Were you, uh, well, two questions. Were you guys thoroughly prepared for me to hate every second of this movie because Richard Gere was in it? I did until right. the twist. I knew you were going to like it after that. Okay. And then would you recommend this movie? Yeah, I would. I, I, if you got nothing better to do and you got your girlfriend, you know, it's, not, it's worth a, it's worth a bottle of wine and a bag of popcorn. Yeah. Prepare her for the first hour and tell her it's worth the second. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm with that. Yep. Coming in at number two, Medicine Man, a drama earning forty-five million dollars. Robert Campbell has gone deep into the Amazon rainforest into a world of astonishing beauty, a land of ancient mystery, where he's made an amazing discovery. What is it you think you've got? I don't think. I know. You found the cure for cancer, and all you can say is, I know? There's just one problem. You did what? I've lost. Haven't you ever lost anything to pass your car keys? Well, it's rather like that. Now you have it, now you don't. A miracle without proof is only a miracle. Now they must rediscover that miracle. None of the new samples work. Before it all disappears. We need help. Don't you presume to tell me how to follow up. You move your road through here and we've lost it.
Hollywood Pictures presents Sean Connery and Lorraine Bracco in a John McTiernan film, Medicine Man. He turned his back on civilization. Now I understand why you don't want to leave. Only to discover he had the power to save it. They obviously worship you. It's the other way around. beautiful and dangerous Amazon rainforests, dissimilar people must make their choices between business, science, and love, which is probably the worst description of what this movie ever That's not. That's not what this movie's about. Right. <laughs> which is why I took it. And it's all I can Love find. happens in like the last five minutes of the movie. And it's like, it's are so they happy love at best? Pretty, yeah. I was like, are they into each other? I can't really tell. I think the best description of this movie is it's about a guy who actually found the cure for cancer and he lost it. And he, he's, you know, right. Which he's, is a, he says he lost That's a it. phenomenal plot. Right. And yeah. the cure is, is in the... the small section of the rainforest that only has weeks, if not months, before it's destroyed by a road that's being built through the Amazon. So they're on a crunch to replicate the cure before it's too late. Can I give you guys my honest opinion of this movie? Of course movie? you can. Don't lie to me, baby. I hated every second of this movie. I thought it was terrible. Okay. I I really had to suffer through I this like movie. I like this movie. You're not going to hear me say good things. I like this movie. This movie, this is the first time I felt like this is the 90s. This is like... Yes. it had The, the opening was the most 90s feeling thing ever. Right, the music. Yeah, the Hold music. On. I wrote this the, down. The music was so, I don't, I guess, yeah, inappropriate, inappropriately whimsical. Yeah, exactly. The fonts were like Comic Sans when they really should be <laughs> Times Roman. Um, like ev everything in this movie was just like super nineties to start, and then I don't know. Things they threw in jokes. Which why is that a joke? Why is that there? Why are you referring to the Amazon Amazonians? Amazonians? Amazonians. Amazonians? I don't know how to say it. As Aborigines. Well, like, they were actually they? not What's in happening? the Amazon. Then, then they call them. They were Indians. actually in the Mex no, they they were were in Mexican the rainforest. And they brought in Mexican Fine. Aborigines for the filming of the movie. Okay. Wait, are Mexicans the, Aborigines? The I thought Aborigines in, are from uh, Australia. No, I made note of it. It was filmed in Veracruz, Mexico. And they brought in Brazilian Aborigines. To for the sake, so they were calling them Aborigines because they were Aborigines, but they were probably supposed to be Amazonians. I don't know. All right, I thought Aborigines were just Australia, so that's where I got confused. All right, wrong. housekeeping, house, <laughs> housekeeping quickly. This movie stars two people: Sean Connery and Lorraine Bracco. So Sean Connery plays Doctor Doctor Robert Campbell. We sadly lost Sean Connery in October of uh, 2020. He has 93 acting credits. He played. James Bond seven times. He was in Highlander, Untouchables, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Red October, uh, The Rock, and a lot of other movies. Lorraine Bracco plays Dr. Ray Crane. She's in Goodfellas, The Sopranos, Basketball Diaries, and a bunch of other movies. Those, in my opinion, are the ones worth noting. The only one's worth noting. The director, John McTiernan. This guy's resume is stellar. That is. Yeah, and right at the top of the list, Die Hard and Predator. I mean, need I say more? That's. I mean, you don't, but then we could say he also did Red October, <laughs> Last Action Hero, Thomas Crown Affair. If you guys haven't seen Thomas Crown Affair, that's a, a 
huge sleeper. By the way, it's movie. a huge. Uh, it's Pierce Brosnan and Rene Russo, right? Yeah, huge guilty yeah, pleasure movie for me, movie. bro. I've seen it a thousand times. I love that movie. Yeah, it good, is that good movie. I enjoy it too. That is the only classification for it—a guilty pleasure movie. I remember watching that movie at like ten years old or twelve years old, whatever I was, and like my parents were like, "Why are you watching this in there? It's it great." Is, it really also, Renee Renee Russo with a fair amount of nudity is looking quite swell. Yeah, that's swell. probably what it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back back to medicine, man. What, Chris, why did you hate it? All right, well. Lorraine Bracco screaming for an hour and a half was enough for me to hate anything. Can I? Can, um, I the only th- I want to interject with the only thing here is that she reminded me from the girl from uh, Temple of Doom that just screamed the entire time. Yeah, but like not only that, like Lorraine Bracco's voice, like I never noticed it in any other movie. It's so annoying. She literally is the most annoying voice, nails on chalkboard. Terrible. I uh, agree with you that my note is, I hate her voice. <laughs> yeah and like and she's fantastic don't get me wrong goodfellas great the sopranos great but like i guess that's really all she can do for me is being an italian mobster 100 agree I, I don't know and, maybe and small parts and that's it like she can't be a lead yeah too not too, no chance too, mu- too much is too much of, is not good and now sean connery kind of felt to me like now he's never bad because he's sean he's connery great. but <laughs> He didn't feel like he he didn't put his heart into this movie. I really don't think so. And even with that, she's nowhere near his level. And they just it's it's not good. Well, I, I like the lightheartedness from Connery, who's misogynistic and you know, he's a dick and all that stuff. And it's but he does it in a way that's funny. So it's not like it's not offensive misogyny, and it's it's not like um, not slightly offensive he, in the beginning. He's pretty coarse. He's to pretty her offensive, but he does have good growth. <laughs> and, and Chris, the, you know, you're a big no, growth he, character he doesn't, guy. And, and he's pretty offensive to the natives too. Let's be <laughs> no, honest. No, he's. I completely disagree. He's wearing very the kind costumes. To the, oh come on! We, wearing the costumes—that's not treating them like treating them like his little servants. Come on! He was the medicine man, bro. He had high stature in the tribe. He'd been there so long uh, that he was one of them. I completely disagree. His whole purpose of of being there was that he had... I get into this whole fucking thing and make this an hour about this movie. But he, when he originally got to the wherever he was called the Amazon for... I don't know where he is, but... Wherever he is, he got there and he gave the the whole tribe a, a, a cold, a disease or whatever. It killed the whole tribe. He felt terrible about it. You find that out way later in the movie. He feels so bad about it that he cuts off all ties to you know the rest of the world that he knew before. Stays in the Amazon. He found this cure for the cancer. He's with these people. He's living as one of them. He doesn't have them as, as servants. They're his equals. They're joking with him. They're making fun of him. He's taking care of the children. He's curing some of them from colds and diseases and this and that and he only wants to protect them saying that he won't let a crew of other doctors come in because of what happened last time that was his fault but we find that out later he won't let that happen because the common cold will wipe out an entire tribe and he won't let that happen again he feels bad he feels guilty and he treats these people as equal i'll take i'll take and i'll agree with that one cab he (laughs) he crushed it in that little uh little spit right there Okay. You're right. Okay. You're absolutely right. I'll take the L on that one. Okay. But moving on. Could, there, there was there was definitely mistreatment of the <laughs> of the of the natives because 
that whole scene where they use the natives as the uh as the, the research team which was fine in itself that's great but then they're just zooming in on the whole line of boobs yeah, and then zooming the, in on the, the whole director. line that's, of boobs. That, that was the yeah, director's know, no. fault. That's what I'm talking I'm talking uh, about that now. That's what I'm saying. I have that it, as my worst that's scene. That's what my, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but I, yeah, I have that as my, my worst, worst scene. scene too because that was just like, you're just clearly taking advantage of this. These you're people. objectifying and you're offensive and you're treating uh, them as less than. Yeah, just zoom out like Two feet, it wouldn't have been that bad, but they had it completely zoomed in. Yeah. No, they didn't need any of it. They should just show them working. Yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> there was no point to, to zoom in on the boobs. Like they, it, it was only it was the it was the worst way you could have sh what, what he was trying to do, and he did in the worst possible way was show the difference between uh, the the tribes women's demeanor and Lorraine Bracco's demeanor because the the last thing he's he he shoots on is Lorraine Bracco wearing a shirt right so like and then all the tribes women are are half nude or whatever it was stupid and pointless and it was just a reason for you to shoot boobs in your movie the guy was a tool well I can't say that you can't say that because it, it was a, a bad kid. decision yeah no I take it back but it was a bad decision no it, and it really was I think one like I mean. It's a whole bad decision. It's a big bad decision, but it was the only part of the movie, and I was really focused in on that. I you guess, know. and I'm just taking away. It's the only scene of the movie that's really like that. All right, so, so. let let me hit a couple highlight. I'm sorry, Eric. Do you have anything that you want to add? Because I'm about to. My only question to you, Chris, who was hating on the movie, is: Do you feel that if Lorraine Bracco had been played by anybody else, you know, um, you know, you think it's, I think it would have been a much I know better movie. I love the movie. I thought the premise of the movie is fantastic. I think she took. I away like from the, the premise movie. of the movie, and I think that Lorraine Brock was the main reason I don't like the movie. But I mean, there were certain things like the whole canopy scene when they're up there, and it's, it's like you get to see all the landscape, and that's cool. Whatever, it just felt boring to me. Like I didn't like it. It should have been more fun with them zip lining through the rainforest, and to me, it just was mundane. Yeah, it wasn't she exciting. She was a bummer. Yeah, I think she yeah, was. Yeah, really really think she was having fun. There's like this seven year old guy up there going, "Wee!" <laughs> yeah. Well, Connor yeah. Connery was having fun the entire time, yeah. making fun of her, and and you know. And and I couldn't tell: is this movie a drama or is it a comedy or is it trying to be both? No, I think I, this I, is a I, drama. It had a light tone to it. It's, no, no, it had a very light tone. We're back. And, we're back to the fact that you don't understand that a serious movie could have light. Oh, here we tone. go. No, because, Stop talking no, 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 about because there's light hearted tone, and then there's. And then, and then there's this like joke every five minutes, right? Like that's it's different. This was this felt like it was supposed to be a comedy with a seriousness to it, not a not a drama with some. Yeah, this fun I wouldn't it. call this a drama. I'd it's call a comedy, it a comedy right? first. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, like, I'm, like I'm not saying there was almost wrong with almost, it. I'm just saying I couldn't figure out what it wanted. Uh, almost like an action comedy without real action, you know. <laughs> It's a drama comedy. I guess. A dramedy. A dramedy. It's a dramedy. Maybe, it's a maybe like an adventure type. I don't know. Yeah, there you an go. Adventure with right, a so hint of comedy. Adventure. Uh, All right. Uh, I, I had a couple of notes that bear. Where's the quest? Did we mean they had the quest? They were looking for the thing. Uh, I know. All right. So anyway, I have a couple of notes that that bear conversation, uh, warrant conversation. So I like the way that it was shot. Uh, the simplicity of how the movie was shot. It was in one place, and that was it. It took place in the rainforest. They didn't go anywhere else. They didn't need anything else, and I like that. Normally, I'm a big hater of like like jungle, things like jungle. that. How, yeah. No. No. Not jungle. Like the one the one real shot, and that's it. But 
in this case, it did work because that's what the movie was about, right? It was about this one tribe. There's no reason to leave that tribe except for the one time that they do. So, yes, I agree. And then I, I, I thought that they had a beautiful sentiment when Sean Connery was talking about the environment and, and the flower that he thought the flower was the cure for uh, cancer that he found. Turns out, you know, spoiler alert, right? that it was the bugs in the flower that are the cancer that he learns from the old medicine man or whatever that he goes to have the stupid duel with. thought that was kind of silly, but I thought that it was, it was nice that they were saying how the environment can't be replicated. Um, and I thought it was very peaceful and serene the way things were shot. And then I also like what the director did with the deforestation was it was, an antagonist in itself, yeah. but they didn't give it a face. Like it didn't need the big CEO with the smoking cigar and the, needs all the money. It was just the deforestation in itself was the enemy, not the person behind it. And I really liked the way he did that. And the smoke was getting closer and closer throughout the movie. Yeah, but I kind of, I guess they did do that. I, I guess I kind of missed that the smoke was getting closer and closer because I kind of felt like all of a sudden, like the bulldozers were upon them and they didn't know it was coming for them. And then all of a sudden it was there and then they know the people and they're like, okay, we'll give you 24 hours. And I kind of felt like all of that was just like, let's slap all this together to make it. No, like, they had mentioned, the they had on. mentioned it when they were up in the trees and the zip lining and they seen that yeah, it was way over on the hill. It becomes a problem. Right. I know. I knew they mentioned it. I just didn't like, like they weren't expecting it to be a problem. Like that was they the said thing. at like, one point that they needed to find the thing before the bulldozers get there. Like it was a ticking clock. Yeah, but that was the twenty-four clock hour point. thing, wasn't it? No, he uh, alluded to. I guess, to it. I, guess I he alluded it. to it prior to that that it was on their way and they 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 had to get moving. I think the, oh. I think my worst, aside from the unnecessary shot of the tribeswoman's asses and boobs, was that I didn't really like. Um, like there was no, I guess you couldn't have done it any other way. But the fact that he never found the cure again was like really disheartening to me. I guess like no, disheartening. They did, find, they did find the cure again. No, but it was gone. It was gone. It, what happened at the very end, Eric? Um, they figured out what it was, but it was too late. They remember. Uh, <clears throat> I have this as one it of my burned notes or whatever, but right? Sean Connery was trying to prevent this small section of the rainforest from being destroyed by the road, but yet by accident he ended up burning down the whole freaking rainforest, and they lost yeah. it. And now they were back on yeah. the quest oh, to okay. find the bugs again. So they they had the missing link right. of the formula. So they refound and it, and now they're off on yeah. Because they, they definitely had that scene where they were like, look. Look what I've it's there, the little, the little blip in, in the graph. Yeah. Dot, the blip. Yeah. But okay, so they that did happen. I'm yes. not crazy. Yeah, that, All right, but that then, they did refine but, it. But, but then they lost it again. They lost it because it got destroyed. And then he so Ma Lorraine Bracco goes back home and he stays behind again. No, she stays. Oh, does she stay at the end? Yeah, she she yeah, breaks that's off the whole her thing. Engagement. She writes the letter to her fiance uh, and then falls in love with Sean Connery. Uh, yeah, I, stopped, I, I stopped caring at that. Oh, uh, no. How about this, Kev? Because you're saying, you know, how the deforestation was the antagonist and how great they was that they didn't have a face. The director filmed Predator and he filmed it um, in the Borneo rainforest five years earlier and he wanted to film there again, but five years later, the rainforest was gone. Oh, so, so he had to film in another place. So I wonder if that's the tie where he kind yeah, of brought sure. that in. That makes sense. That's a good that's a good find there. Thank you. All right, you want to hit some scenes? Let's do it.
Uh, some categories. Categories. Those are... Categories. Let's go. Yeah. Categories. I mean. Well, we already talked about the director. So best scene. <sighs> I like. Uh, I so I don't have a best scene per se, but I have my favorite parts of the movie are when Connery is badgering Lorraine Bracco. Oh, you know what? I can get on board with that because my best scene right now. Did I just delete all my notes? I sure did. Hit the undo. Um, undo. Back, yeah, I did. So my best, because my best scene up to this point was her rolling down the hill because I thought she was going to die and then she didn't. But like, I, was like, oh, I, had a, I had a moment of hope. <laughs> yeah, she's gone. <laughs> Damn it. She's gone. <laughs> but yeah, I get up with Connery's badgering her. All right. Because he, he's the best part of this movie. And I don't think he's at his best, but he was the best part. He of has movie. a lot of funny things to say. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I had wrote that I liked the, the zip lining and really for the cinematography. I, I liked the scenery. Uh, those were my best scenes. But with you saying that, I have to say the parts I enjoyed the most were the dialogue with Connery ripping her apart. So I, I'm going to jump on with you. But but the problem is then she ruins it by opening her mouth. So Yeah, I, all, all right. I hear is Sean Connery it. talking really during this whole movie. I kind of blocked her out. She was, like I said, she was very whiny, very loud, high-pitched, whiny. Well, she reminded screechy. me of her role from, what, The Bronx Tale. She reminded me of that wife, but as a doctor in the rainforest. And it just, everything she said just didn't make sense to me. Goodfellas, you mean? Goodfellas, I'm sorry. No. Can I just say, though, the, the, there's parts of this movie that are really problematic for me. So there's one scene, so I'm just going to worse scenes. But like I already said, the tits and ass, that was terrible. Um, but... The morning after she gets there, right? So she's very insistent about being there and staying there. But the morning after, she's spending all of her time complaining about being there. And now all of a sudden, he wants her to stay there. And I was just like, this is so confusing because he doesn't want her there, but he does want her there. She wants to be there, but she doesn't want to be there. Like, none of it made sense to me. And I I just, like, why have that whole confusing thing happen? Like, why was that ever in the director's mind to be like, okay, yeah, you wanted to be here yesterday, but now you don't. Well, I, I think am, if you watch it, you know, he's such a, what's the word, a misogynist. He, you know, he has just no respect for women and he's not giving her any peace of mind, but then he actually kind of sits back and sees her doing some of the math and look into computers and she knows like everything. And then she's going to leave. Yeah, but all this happens before the test. But then she's going to leave, right? She's packing up. I'm out of here. And he goes, oh. She also tells him that she's the new boss. That's what I was about to allude to, that she was leaving. And he goes, well, tell blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's not there anymore. Well, who took his place? I did. And he's like, oh, yeah. shit. She's she's the top dog. So there was kind of yeah. like, so it's a little kinda... back and forth. But anyway, yeah. all right, whatever. It's, it's, she's the worst. He's the best. And that's, that's, that's it. All right. <laughs> worst scene. My worst scene was, again, the the tribe women's titties so yeah i don't actually i could care less about that um my worst scene is <sighs> when she drinks the yoka bark and goes all sorts of wonky she was so annoying and yeah. oh my god just and she gets up on it. the ropes yep. and she's whining and crying the whole time i was just like can this just the scene end um there's only two people in this movie so best role yeah obviously sean connery, connery. worst role Lorraine Okay, and it's not that the role is bad. No, it's the just, role's fine. She's she, bad. It's an act. That's a totally actress choice there. All right, so I have two quotable lines. I'll do one, then you guys can do yours, and then see if you take my other. I don't even remember what Brocco said to Connery, but she said something about his wife or whatever. He's like, "Oh, my wife left me. I wish you'd follow suit." 
That's <laughs> good. That, good. That was one. Eric, go ahead. Um, I, I guess uh, for background, obviously this guy drinks a lot, Sean Connery, and um, she's getting tired of it. And she's like, get drunk somewhere else. And he looks at her in, in his most Sean Connery voice, like, I live here. Get sanctimonious somewhere else. And I like the. That's my. Why is he rushing? I don't know. I don't know how to do a Sean Connery voice. I right, there it is. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's better than the the Sean Connery from Red October. Yeah, it was. It was a Sean Connery voice. Just wrong movie. <laughs> Chris, I don't have a best quote. I didn't hear anything I really enjoyed. So I'll just go with your second there, one. You know what? Though out of this is another movie where out of context, it's like they're not fun quotes. So, but Eric stole my second one. So good to go. All right. All right. Would you recommend this movie? I would. I would. I actually remember watching this when it came out. I was, I'm a huge Sean Connery fan, so I've seen like almost everything he's been in, and I, I like this movie. Chris? If you want to be as annoyed for, for an hour and a half, sure. Watch it. Chris, why don't you do Wayne's World? Because you love this movie. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Part of time. Excellent. Woo, 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 woo. All right. And coming in number one in February of 1992, a comedy, Wayne's World, earning $121.7 million. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the fandango? Thunderbolt and lightning. Just outside of Chicago. Galileo. 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 In the basement of this house. It's Wayne's World. Time. Broadcast history is about to be made. Extreme close-up! I want you to find out who these guys are and where they do their show. What is this? Mr. Vanderhoff, this is your audience. It's two chimps on a Davenport in a basement. Here I am with the contract for $5,000. Excuse me? Now they're on their way. No way! Way! To fame. Will you still love me when I'm in my carbohydrate sequin jumpsuit? Young girls in white cotton panties, bloated, purple, dead on a toilet face. To fortune. Contractor knows. I will not bow to any sponsor. <laughs> and to babe heaven. What do you do if every time you see this one incredible woman, you, you think you're going to hurl? I say hurl. If you blow chunks and she comes back, she's yours. If you spew and she bolts, it was never meant to be. Okay. It's Wade. This is definitely the type of place I'm going to get when I move out of my parents' house. It's Garth. I love you, God. If she were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. It's a movie. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Wayne's World. Hi, Wayne. It just might be the greatest motion picture ever made. Are you mental? Be as a devil put aside for me. For me. I know. I already know where Kevin's going with this, and he hated this movie. I, so the only thing I have to say that's worth saying about this movie is that this movie is a hangout. Yeah. It's not a movie. It's a hangout with Wayne and Garth for an hour and a half, and I want no part of it. It's not even about Wayne and Garth. This movie is about Cassandra. The whole movie is about saving her band and saving her from this asshole and getting her to be famous. I would rather the movie just be all about Wayne's world. I felt like I was watching a movie about Cassandra. It's an SNL movie. It's just skit after skit, and it's funny, and I like it. 
and I remember loving it as a kid and I loved it now and there are so many quotable lines in this movie and I left my ass off the entire time I was watching it so it's a good movie it barely really went. so many quotable lines because I pulled two quotable lines out of you know I'm sure I I'm a hundred percent certain that this movie is funnier to me because I loved it when I was a kid right so it's like Swing. swing. I love it. Swing. Dana Carvey might be the worst actor alive. I loved all the Dana Carvey stuff. His his portrayal of Garth was phenomenal. He's so awkward and ridiculous, and I loved every second of it. You know what? You're right in saying like he did a good job playing that character. I just don't want to be around. <laughs> this this might be his best character in of all the roles Dana Carvey's ever done. This yes, is definitely yes, his best yes. role. D- Dana Carvey is. Dana Carvey is the least deserving of a Hollywood career out of any person I've close. ever come I agree. across. But he was great as Garth. Garth is an idiot. Uh, actually, did you see the plan he put together at the end to get Mr. Big to come to their house? So, he- no. He's not an idiot. <laughs> he's like a savant. Yeah, sorry. In, in one thing. <laughs> right. Re-angling re- re- satellites. Yes. So, Mike Myers plays Wayne Campbell. Dana Carvey plays Garth Algar. Rob Lowe plays Benjamin Oliver. Tia Carrera, Car- I can't ever say her name. Tia Car- Carrera, Carrera plays Cassandra. And that's pretty much all you need to know. There's there's a Laura Flynn Boyle plays Stacy. Chris Farley's in the movie. Oh, the cameos. Uh, Alice yeah, those Cooper. Are, those are all cameos, though. That's the problem. I want Al Bundy Ed O'Neill. in this movie. Ed O'Neill. <laughs> and Frank DeLeo, who's Mr. Big, the record exec, he plays Tootie in Goodfellas. Did you say Robert Patrick? He's the Terminator no. 2 guy. Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. The, right. Yeah, two the, guy. The, the, the T-1000 play yeah. revises his role that was, as the that T-1000. Was that was actually funny. This whole movie that was, was funny. Good, yeah. That was actually funny. Name one scene that wasn't funny. That's what, it, what yeah. do you mean? All the rest of them? I see. We're not going to be able to have this conversation because you guys don't love this movie like I do, and I'm not going to sit here and fanboy by myself for a movie you guys hate. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because I can't. It's hard for me. Like I'm not good like you guys that like say like oh this and that and this. I could look at my list of things, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to laugh, and you guys are going to be like, "Cool, that was stupid." That's try to make us laugh. You know, I have three notes. I want to hear all three. I want you to just read through your notes one at a time. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm glad. I'm glad that's what you want because that's what you were getting anyway. My first note is I'm thoroughly annoyed already. My my second note is what the fuck is going on, and my my third note is Tia Carrera is hot. And then, but the I thing about this notes. movie is it's not supposed to be a movie. Like you have to understand that when you're watching it. I do. Want- I said this movie's a hangout with Wayne and Garth, and you didn't I don't find hang any of this them. funny, like any of this stupidity funny. It's all stupidity. No, the only parts are all right. So, so let me help you out. Then the only parts I found funny were one of my quotes was when so the Stacy thing was kind of funny, where Lara Flynn Boyle is chasing uh, Wayne and he wants no part of her, and she she's like. She's like, we, yes. could, we could still date even though we broke up. He's like, no, we can't. That's the point. That's, the quote is, quote. Hold on. The quote that's not the quote. broke yeah. up two months ago. Well, that doesn't mean we can't still go out. He's like, yes, it does. That's what <laughs> yeah. breaking up means. Yeah. And then she gives him the present. Uh, and, is it a gun rack? And she makes it open up. Quote. And Do he's quote, like, Chris. it's a gun rack. I don't own a gun, let alone several guns to constitute the use of a gun rack. <laughs> Uh, that was actually a good scene. That's one of the best quotes of the entire movie. 
What do you, first of all, Garth goes, what do you do if every time you see this attractive girl, you feel like you're going to hurl? He says, I say hurl. If she bolts, it was never meant to be. If she comes back, she's yours forever. How about when the, how about when they leave the house and they're driving around and they see their friend, Phil, and he'd be like, oh, Phil's already partied out. He'd say, what if he honks in the car? I'm giving you a no honk guarantee. Phil, if you're going to spew, spew into this. No? Just yes. like a little paper copy on his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got smirks at best, I think, in this movie. Oh, I remember God. loving this movie, too, Chris. I remember when I was younger, I loved this movie. And I watched it again, and I just looking at myself like, am I this old that this just doesn't make me laugh anymore? I didn't know what it but just you'll didn't laugh hit at, me, man. But, but Austin Powers is literally the same stupidity, and you laugh at that. You know what? I'm scared to watch Austin Powers again, though, because I was obsessed with Austin Powers. It's a more coherent right. movie. Yeah, there's right. a, there, there, there's plot points to it, as ridiculous as they right, may I mean, be. Like there's what about the first this movie, though? You see Austin Powers being created in Mike Myers' head, though. You can see it in the words. There's a lot of scenes he even does. No, it's just because he does this, in Austin the Powers. same type of comedy in every movie. He does the same thing in, like, Shrek. It's all the same, like, delivery and, and all that. I mean, he's, it's just Mike Myers as a comedian is all that is. But... What about the scene where he he takes uh, oh, what's up? Cassandra up on the roof and the, and he's showing her that he learned how to speak Cantonese, and you know this the talking back and forth and he's doing the ridiculous accent and she's saying how good the accent is, and then he says like two words in Cantonese, but it's like the subtitles go on for like five minutes and they're just sitting there nodding along wait, my- waiting for the subtitles to end. That was mildly entertaining, and also he did a similar thing okay. in Austin Powers. This was first, so therefore it's better. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's a fair argument. Or what about when they're in the rehearsal and they're doing the whole five, four, three, two, one countdown thing? Come on, that was great too. And they, they the guys just can't say, "Why don't you say the three, two, and one?" Like you just don't. Okay, don't say it. <laughs> Oh, and then the green screen and they're doing the whole like, oh, go to New York. Hey, I'm in New York. And what was he saying? He goes, no, we're I got in a Delaware. Gun. I got a gun. Let's go to a Broadway show. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like, hey, I'm in Hawaii. Come on, I want to lay you. And then, and then you'll be whisked away to Delaware. And then they just, their faces just go blank like, hi, I'm in Delaware. <laughs> See, I think it's funnier with you saying it. I'm laughing more now than I did in the whole movie. <laughs> I would rather you in the role than, than them. All right. I, I I could just keep going like this. There's just so many different parts of the movies I just love. I love stupid things from, from well, the couple of things I do enjoy. Like the Twizzler rope in the dome in the car with um, like the little cutter. I found that. I'm convinced really that's supposed to be edibles, right? And, like it's not just Twizzler, right? They're getting high when they're eating that, yes. I don't think so. I think it's that. It's, the, it's that. the cheap version of a Twizzler. It's I think called something high, string, I, fruit string, or something. I know what like it that. is. I, I understand what. Yeah, I, I, rope or something. Li- red licorice anyway. rope. I understand what it is. Well, if you can get your hands I, on sixteen I, feet I, of I, edible licorice rope. <laughs> I I hate the Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh God, I hate you. Thing. I hate the Laverne and Shirley throwback. I loved it. It made no sense, and it was great. <laughs> How about Alice yeah. Cooper? How about when they go to Alice Cooper, they're backstage, and Alice Cooper's like some genius about Native Americans. <laughs> yeah, he knows a lot Alice of history. Alice Cooper is actually a history buff in real yeah. life. He's he's not part he's not partying. He's just kind of going out a party or what? <laughs> how how about when they're at Benjamin's apartment 
and the like Garth's trying to figure something out and he's like going through all his stuff and he he looks at his date book he's like he's reading Benjamin's date book he's like Thursday purchase and exploit local TV access program he's like man I feel sorry for those guys and it's chuckle worthy you know what it is too it's Dana Carvey delivering it which I think ruins it Chris delivering it makes me want to laugh or every time that they they compare something to another thing, like if she were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln, no? Or no. if he were an ice cream flavor, he'd be pralines and Dick. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny. I've already laughed more with Chris talking than I did the entire movie. So, yes. and then the Chris Farley's appearance was great, and he gives the whole yeah. breakdown of how he goes. Wow, that guy sure did know a lot. And then later in the movie, they're like, thank God we ran into that guy. Do we have a plot? Does this movie Uh, have a plot? The plot is local access TV show gets a break, falls in love with hot musician and wants to help her succeed. Like Eric said, it's really more about them trying to help Cassandra succeed than anything. All right. The director is Penelope Spheris, who... Directed this, Beverly Hillbillies, Little Rascals, Black Sheep, a couple other things. Uh, Chris, what's your best scene? My best scene uh, that I really, because well, it went funniest scene. The thing I found the funniest was when they're they're arguing with the uh, with Benjamin about selling out for the arcade guy, and they're just they're just completely selling out in the moment, saying how we would never sell out. And he's holding up like the, the Pepsi can or the, the oh, box right. of Pizza Hut. Yep. Like I, I just I Doritos, love that. Yeah, yeah. that was that was good. Just like a NASCAR driver, just like with like yeah, no, he Adidas was all over him. No Reebok. Yeah, that was actually <laughs> that was I actually did enjoy that scene. That was good. And I also like the green screen scene that I told you about before. Eric, did you have a best scene? Uh, yeah, no, I had a good uh, best scene. Um, when they're initially interviewing Vanderhoff, their their sponsor, the arcade guy, and they have all the flashcards, and he's got all the the words on the back, like this guy eats dick, and that was the one time I I laughed pretty good during that movie. All right, my best well, scene was what, what Chris said. <laughs> Worst scene. That means Kevin didn't have a good scene. He's just jumping on board with whoever he liked best. Right. To me, the to me the worst scene in the movie was uh, when they're playing hockey because I just I didn't wasn't great. The only good part of that scene was when she comes riding by on the bike and just crashes into the car. But again, like it wasn't a great. It's, scene. See, I appreciate that scene. Best, if you ever played yeah. hockey in the middle of the street, Anything. that's what it was like. Game, yeah, game on, on, game on, yeah. game on. Right, but the, the the two of them didn't strike me as participants in anything athletic so no it really didn't fit in this movie (laughs) and why do why do their characters like hockey simply because they like like heavy metal so that's what he's he's canadian because he's canadian and mike myers is obsessed with hockey in real life that's really what it is yeah but like he he, like you know you ever see the movie mystery alaska no no oh sorry (laughs) he stopped his thought it's a movie about this this town in alaska that plays a lot of hockey and like they're like they're exceptionally good at hockey and they're so good that the nhl during a strike decides to fly the new york rangers or not a strike during a lock i don't know what it was they fly the new york rangers out there to play them and the local hockey team beats the rangers that's the whole premise of the movie but anyway so mike myers like forced his way into that movie because he had to be in it because he loved the idea of the movie so like he just loves hockey okay where were we? Or scene. 
Who's worst scene? Uh, my worst scene is every scene that Cassandra's singing. God, she sucks. I thought she was good. Oh, she screams. I actually had the thought. I never wrote it down. Was I didn't mind any of the singing in this movie. Oh, hated it. Oh, you know what else my worst scene was? Was in the uh, in the guitar shop. The whole scene with him buying the guitar and doing the the come help me riff or can I help you riff and then Garth playing the drums because it was just not that great and it just took up time that I didn't need to see. My worst scene was the uh, Mike Myers doing stupid shit in Cassandra's bedroom while she's on the phone, and I hated all of it. So like following oh, the tidy whities Yeah. Camera one, camera two. Okay, that was all terrible. Best role. I would have to say Mike Myers because this movie. Mike Myers for me. Yeah, it's nothing uh, without him, and I don't picture anyone else being able to do this either. I was gonna say Rob Lowe because I love what a grimy dick he can be. He's always but, a grimy dick. As far as Rob, not in Parks and Rec. He's such a lovely human being in Parks and Rec. So as far as Rob Lowe roles go, this is super low on the totem pole. No pun intended. Worst role. <laughs> What pun? What pun would you have been attending? Rob Low, Low on the oh, totem pole. Okay, I, I get it. it. I get it. It, it was good. Okay. <laughs> it was. Uh, worst role. Sorry. Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. Yeah. Dana Carvey. I only said that, but I'm only saying that because you guys said it. I don't really think that. Well, who would be yours then? Yeah. I don't know. Have a thought in your own, everybody. bro. Okay. All right. Quotable lines. Mine were the gun rack, and I say hurl. Am I going to repeat all my lines again? I'm not. I already did all my lines. Eric, did you have a different one? I do, actually. Um, who says it? I think it was uh, Mike Myers. I once thought I had mono for an entire year. Turned out I was just really bored. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's it's all the, right. That's what I got at the best parts of this movie. It was like, hmm, yeah, that's all right. And then at the worst parts of this movie, I was like, oh, God, get me out of here. So, All right. Would you recommend this movie? I say no. I'm a big no, and I'm surprised I say it, but I did not like it. Yeah. I say you guys get your heads out of your asses because this movie was awesome. Okay. It was also Mike Myers' feature film debut, just so you know. Don't you know. Don't you know. <laughs> Coming up next month, we actually have some decent what, movies. I hate how he does this. Kevin will just be deciding. Nope, we're done. Says, this is over. Podcast over. Everybody <laughs> shut up. I'm going to bed. Because I have Chris, to did you have something it. else to say, Chris? I, I didn't hear no, Kevin No, I anything. didn't. I just hated the way he uh, just did that. That's all. Because uh, he cut you off. You were talking and he just no, kind of said. That, that was all I had to say. I have nothing else. Oh, I, oh, I got one more, that. Kev. Dick. This whole movie was shot in 34 days. That's not surprising. <laughs> That's 30 days too many. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next month we actually have some decent movies. We have Basic Instinct, with which I've never seen before, and I waited till we had to do it for this podcast when I knew it was one of the up. most yeah, iconic kind of scenes in history, right? Yeah, you get to see a little uh, Gucci too. Do you know? We'll see what you I don't actually know. We will see. see. I've never we seen this movie, this movie either, so like, let's we wait. will see. We should watch or this together won't. because none of us have ever seen it. Uh, that's I'm in for that. We get White Men Can't Jump. Love that movie. Yes, we get Ladybugs. Maybe the no, only don't. maybe Haven't the only Dangerfield movie that we get this entire podcast. Oh, you're just talking about movies that are coming out. This yeah, month. yeah. I follow The Cutting Edge. I remember loving The Cutting Edge when I was younger. The ice skating my movie. Third, my third grade teacher's best friend was that guy. Really? 
Yeah, he had pictures all over our classroom of the cutting edge and all. I was like, you know, I was in like third grade. I was like, what the, who did, wants to watch an ice skating movie? We yeah, get Gladiator, which is not, a really good movie. It's, and, not, it's, not, it's not the Russell Crowe. No, not is the Russell like Crowe. the original Crow or something? No, no, it's no. Completely. It's a completely different premise. Whole different, same title, different movie. We get The Lawnmower Man, which is a nice. Pierce Brosnan movie. And we get maybe a top five comedy of all time. My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. Oh, this I is a great month. Wait. I'm going to punish you guys with quotable lines. Uh, I think we're, we're all there. Quote. The two hood. <laughs> oh, you blend. My biological <laughs> clock is ticking like this. <laughs> you bang on the ground when you do that. Oh, I, I, did. I did. You just didn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> you ruined it. Are you mocking me with that outfit? Nope, mocking. Why would I be mocking? <laughs> He's like the yeah, whole. Might, I might have to watch the, more than just three movies this month. The whole store got the flu. You get that? The whole store. Let's save it. All right, that's it. Well, there's so Let's many more. Because it's it time for touch it. I'm sorry. Did you guys hear about the ongoing cholesterol problem down here? Are you telling me the laws of physics cease to exist on your stove? No, no self-respect in Southern man makes instant grits. He's like, I hey, I didn't come down here just to get jerked off. No, I'm not jerking you off. I'm not doing anything. The, all right, let's oh, see. It's it. gonna be let's good. All right, guys, I'm going to bed. All right. Go to bed. all right, guys, see you next time. All right, see all right. you later. Later. <laughs>